Hi all, Owen Bickford here. Thanks for tuning in to this season's final episode. We'll be talking to Todd Rezidek in just a moment, but before we get started, I wanted to let you know that this is the last week to take our audience survey. Go to smr.tl forward slash survey to give us your feedback as well as suggestions for season eight. So far, we've heard from our audience members saying that they think a good Season 8 theme would be Elixir at scale, or Elixir code patterns, or maybe Elixir internals. What do you think? Tell us more at smr.tl forward slash survey. It's open until Thursday, February 10th, and you can also find the link in the show notes. Okay, now here's the show. Welcome to the final episode of Season 7 of Elixir Wizards, everybody, a podcast brought to you by Smart Logic, a custom web and mobile development shop based in Baltimore. My name is Alex Hausend. Today is my birthday, and I will be your host. I'm joined by my co-host, Sunday Mint. Hello, Sunday. Happy birthday! Thank you. And also Eric Ostrich. Hello, Eric. How are you? Hello, hello. Glad to have you on. This season's theme was Impact of Elixir, and we are joined today by a very special friend of the pod, Todd Rezidek. Hello, Todd. How are you? Hi. Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you so much. Feels, uh, you know, like another year around the sun. Feels pretty yeah. much the same. Well, tell us how old you are now. I am the ripe old age of 29. Forever. Yep. Yep. Me too. About one... Me too. I know. I heard that you were just turning 29, actually. Yep, my birthday's coming up. I'm going to be 29 again. Wow. Congratulations. Thanks. You're welcome. When we were getting ready to record, you were telling us that you have a really funny story about your last name. No, Don't it's you? not funny. It's tragic. It's not oh, well, oh, no. Well, More now tragic. I've introduced it horribly, but you, I feel, st what's the tragic story about your last well, name? Well, okay, so it's a very uncommon last name, so I'm not unfamiliar with people mispronouncing it, which is fine. But at my wedding reception, my father-in-law insisted that he announce us as a couple. And so he did, but, you know, he had only known me for like seven years at that point. So he introduced us as Mr. and Mrs. Rezidnik, which is, I feel like is not even really that close. Okay, so no. it's more tragic than funny, right? But it is still kind of funny. Like, we shouldn't be laughing, but it's happening. <laughs> it's something. Um, it, it says a lot. An, an N in between the D and the E, I think. <laughs> yeah, a lot of extra letters in there. It, yeah. It was a less than average attempt. I feel like we all have some kind of wild stories about name mispronunciations. Alex, I feel like I remember one you had from college. Or was it a nickname? I have so many, and I don't understand why. I tell people my last name is Thousand, but without the T. That's exactly how you pronounce it. I get a lot of Hussans. That's the most common, which I guess I kind of get. I've also gotten Hauser, which I don't get because there's no R. Oh, and also like no W. I've gotten Hussein before. I don't understand. It's just like people glance and they don't intake. Like the first time I like encountered the h-o-u-s sound that's the way that your name is pronounced was when i was in new york i was going to houston street i was going to a restaurant around houston street 
and I was asking my coworkers, are we going to Houston Street? Because that's how it's spelled. They were like, you mean Houston Street? And I was like, why are you looking at me like this? The rest yeah, of the country pronounces it one way. I just don't know what to tell you. <laughs> very particular about how they pronounce it up there. Yeah. Uh, I, Eric, I'm gotten... sure you've got a name one. Sorry, Sandy. Didn't mean to in- interrupt. I mean, the obvious one is just ostrich. I've gotten destrich before. Adding someone in a letter put a, or two. Yeah. Someone put, well, it's just the O to a D. So someone just hand wrote it weird, probably. I swear someone stuck a G somewhere in the middle once. And it was, I can't even remember what they did, but it was like, what? <laughs> How did you come anywhere near that? But. Yeah, it's mostly just ostrich, so. Huh. I feel like most people just can't figure out my last name. Well, first of all, the first name, they typically either get it completely right or they just are so atrociously wrong, I can't even correct them. It's like a lot of Sundis. But the last name is one syllable, and people often just like cut it into two. They usually say Mayant. And my mom, when she was teaching third graders, would explain to her third graders that her last name was like you make a meow sound, mya, and then you say mit. And that's how you say my last name is mit, like one syllable. And I always thought the meow thing was kind of funny because she started doing that before I like showed an appreciation for cats and then got a cat. You know, it was just like kind of funny that that appeared in my life. But yeah, I'm sure there's lots of good stories, but nothing quite as special as Todd's. No. Well, someday, someday, it's something to shoot for. Yeah, I'll let you know when it happens. All right. <laughs> and if you're Sunday's boyfriend, you know it's not too late. Get that wedding. Get that wedding going. Start uh. thinking about ways you want to pronounce mint. <laughs> Ponder it. Oh, well, besides man. our last names and people continuously mispronouncing them, Todd, what's new with you? Oh, gosh, so much and so little, you know, it's COVID times. I feel like it's been 10 years and it's been a two days, but uh, Absolutely. I think that the thing four on my mind is conference planning stuff. I was really excited to start seeing people down in Austin, which I saw Sunday down there at ElixirConf. And so that sort of got my my conference juice is flowing again. So I'm excited for the conference coming up this spring. Yeah. And we've talked about MPEX a little bit. Todd, do you want to give like a little spiel? I'd love to. So MPEX, hopefully some people have already been to an MPEX or have at least heard of it before. But MPEX was started in New York uh, in 2017, I think was the first one. And then one of the organizers, Desmond, moved out to LA and and so he brought a version of MPEX to LA and that's been going on since 2018 and now Chris Bell who from podcast fame and I are doing a new version of it called Elixir Mountain which is going to focus on the Mountain West region and so our first conference is going to be on May 6th in Salt Lake City so we'll have May 5th we'll have some trainings and then May 6th will be the conference so we're really excited. Hopefully we see a lot of faces there. That's awesome. Sunday and I have a former coworker who was insistent that Mountain Standard Time just didn't exist. He was like, it's trash. It's not real. Completely refused to acknowledge it as place. 
There's someone in a different community I'm in, totally unrelated, that also claims that Mountain Standard Time is a is a void zone and doesn't exist. So this must just be a thing that's like bigger than yeah. I would have guessed. They're all in a secret club together. You never yeah. know. Are they <laughs> like on Arizona time or something? No, oh, they lived here in DC yeah. area at the time. They lived in uh, St. Louis, so it's not... <laughs> not even in the time zone. Okay, well... According to the bus here, it's Mountain Standard Time, so you're going to be going to be an hour late if you don't don't adhere. I will say that has been messing me up. Like I've been traveling across the country, and the time zone changes have been really messing with my brain. Like seven a.m., ten a.m. What time is it I there? Just, what time is it here? I just I don't. Where are you? Where are you today? Today. I am in Caprock Canyon State Park in Texas, where there are free-roaming bison, which is pretty cool. <gasps> That's awesome. Yeah, pretty cool. And prairie dogs, which is also very, very exciting. They're cute. They chirp a lot. They'll, like, you walk up, you kind of, like, start to walk around, and they look at you, like, are you going to still come this way, or are you going to leave us, leave us alone? And then they hide in their holes. They're That's kind of what cats look like. To be honest, you have uh, prairie dogs everywhere as well, Todd. I know they're around yeah. Denver. Oh yeah, we have a lot near around my house and stuff. Are they pests? I mean, not to me, they're not. But if you're like a land developer, they're considered a pest. But I like seeing them. I'm I'm with you. They're fun, Todd. Are you, you saying they're all over Colorado? Yeah. So I well, I'm gonna see prairie the, dogs in Colorado. At least in the Front Range. Yeah, if you want to, you can see prairie dogs. That's for sure. Okay, I'm going to have to make some time for that. <laughs> okay, you know, well, there's a like, really nice zoo near where you're going to be in Colorado Springs. Okay, So you can cool. see many animals if you wanted to. All right, well, if my flight gets delayed or canceled out of said tiny airport, I will make sure to go to the zoo. <laughs> so, Todd, you're in Colorado. Impex is going to be in Salt Lake City. You are currently wearing a Wisconsin hoodie. And I've seen you tweet about Ohio State football. Oh. So where do your allegiances lie? I grew up in Wisconsin, and my allegiances align with Wisconsin football. I've only tweeted about Ohio State football because I don't like them at all. And I like to watch them lose, which is really... I was thinking about it this year, and I was like, you know what? I actually get more satisfaction on Ohio State losing than on Wisconsin winning a football game. That's how much I dislike them. Sorry, Ohio State Buckeye fans. I have a lot of friends in the Columbus area, and I apologize, but that's just what how it is. So, yeah. You can't change the way your heart feels. And these days, you got to take your joys where you can get them. <laughs> it's the little things. Yes. It really is the little things. I had a thought about Wisconsin. Oh, I remember what it was. I have a good friend who's from Milwaukee, and I love his love for the Bucks. And I think fear the deer is an excellent slogan. That's so funny. I wish everyone could see the face I'm making. You pronounce Milwaukee with an L, which proves that you're not from Milwaukee. Is it? How do you pronounce it? What do you pronounce it with? Just a people P? from. No, just Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Yeah, oh. Milwaukee. So Milwaukeeans will say Milwaukee. 
Milwaukee is somebody that's not from Milwaukee. I'm a foreigner. I mean, I'm from Clemson, South Carolina, which has no P in it, but I know you're not from there if you say Clemson. Oh, Hmm. it's Clemson? Oh, yeah. You have to add in the silent P, otherwise people are going to be like, "Mm, you're not from here. Who are you? I always think it's cute when people call this area Washington, and I'm like, no, 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 that's the state. We're D.C. (laughs) That is very common. That is our only tell, I feel like. Wait, what? Yeah, a lot of people call this, like, the Capitol. They'll call it Washington, because that's how they say it in the shows and stuff. Like, they're walking to Capitol Hill, they're going to the White House. They're like, hey, yeah, we're heading back to Washington. And I'm like, no, D.C. Really? Okay. Count me in, like, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. I always thought Washington was the city, and Washington State, you have to say Washington State. Yeah, I'd but probably I'm not still say there. Washington you... State, but I'd more likely hear somebody say Washington and assume the West Coast. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, I'm like pondering my own things now. What do I say? I don't even know. Eric, you have any indie gotchas? The only thing that, well, I guess there's a few, there's like Brazil, Indiana, but you say it Brazil. I love that. And the only thing, other thing I can think of outside of a few other towns like that is like the Midwesterner need to stick an S on the end of store names. So it's not. Kroger's. I really go to Kroger's. I relate to that so much. My mom, Best Buys. Always Best Buys. Yeah, you gotta go to Myers, Joanne's. Uh, oh, wow. yeah. I love Best Buys is pretty great. Yeah. I'm gonna go to Best Buys. That's cute. I like it. That is really We have cute. a city called Rio in Wisconsin. It's spelled like Rio. Same sort of thing as Brazil. And in Colorado, we have a town called Louisville that looks like Louisville. But that's and it's pronounced Louisville. Oh, no. Man, people wonder why some people have a hard time learning English. And it's like, well, we're doing this. There's a Versailles, Kentucky. Like, we're not making it easy. Oh, no. I knew a game store owner that was from Kentucky, and he tried to convince all of us that you said Lowe's as Laurels. I was like, I'm not buying this. <laughs> I've never, like, that is, like, you're doing some weird tongue twisting <laughs> to make that come out. Next time we were all together at, like, a conference, like, at, say, MPEX, we've got to ask everyone about their little isms with their place, because this is just enlightening. <laughs> Just I've never been chat. to Salt Lake City, so maybe it's the time. It's a really pretty place. It's a good time of year to go there, too, in the spring. That's what I heard. Yeah. We had thought about, on our journey back from California, staying, stopping in Colorado. And then we were like, hmm, snow. And then there was, hmm, fires. And then there was, hmm, more snow. So we didn't do that. Song of Ice and Fire. You just live in that Game of Thrones life. Out there in Colorado, Todd. Oh, no. <laughs> but yes, Todd, the sentiment of seeing people again is exciting. I do hope that folks who get out to FX get to chat with you and, and see what's new and enjoy all the good talks. Do you have a lot of talks lined up? The CFP is still open until March 6th. So I would encourage the listeners to think about talk ideas and submit them. So we do have some, but I think traditionally in the in a event world everybody's gonna send them in the last week so sort of expecting 
90% of them to come in in the last two days. As per tradition. Right. Yeah. Same with uh, ticket sales. All yes. of them will come in two days beforehand. It is funny how that just like becomes a thing of life. It's like, when are you going to write your term paper? Mm, the night before. Yeah, you never know. I mean, you could die any day. You don't want to have wasted four hours of your short life writing a term paper that you never had to turn in. <laughs> this kind of reminds me, well, not that part, Tom, but the part about just like how we know that there's these formulas. Whenever I was hosting meetups in person, I used that formula of like, take the number of people who signed up, divide it by whoever said yes, and then like subtract, like basically 60% of your RSVPs would actually come. And that's how much pizza you buy. Like two slices per the 60%. There was like a whole formula. I think I actually know someone who turned it into an actual calculator, like a React app or something. You could plan a wedding like that too. <laughs> oh no. Mm-hmm. Oh no. <laughs> Sorry, we're talking about weddings. Is anybody getting married here? I don't Soon? think so. Eminently? No. Why okay. do you have do you have something for us? I just want to make sure it wasn't like a tough subject that we walked into. Uh... Oh, like you're talking not. about planning a wedding, Alex, and and no. we talked earlier about Sunday's boyfriend. But I did see a great TikTok about the exact thing Sunday was talking about recently about a hack to play less for your wedding, where it was just like, don't send the headcount of the amount of RSVPs because the amount of the invitations because not that many people will RSVP. Yes, yeah, yeah but that's or smart. something, something mm-hmm. like yeah. That. I mean, I really didn't think it applied to weddings, but definitely for meetups. <laughs> Whenever we go back in person to things, although I don't know about meetups going back in person, but I don't know. Like the Elixir meetup community space has been really cool in that we've all been joining each other's meetups all across the, the globe, basically. I think consistently at the DC Elixir meetup, I just, it's become a thing where I'm like, all right, who's the farthest away? Who's winning today? <laughs> And it's almost always somebody on the other side of the globe. I think last time it was Japan. So that was kind of cool. Somebody really wanted to get like listen to the talk and they got up at eight in the morning to attend. Mind blown, you know? At least it was eight in the morning. That's not like terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's some people in Central Europe that are like up at ungodly hours sometimes for these these North American meetups. Yonatan yeah, well, definitely is because he yeah, just doesn't we, sleep. We talked to Yonatan this season, and I think one of the things, like you know, yes, live book, amazing. He blew us away with that, and then blew us away with the fact that he always goes to bed super late, like four a.m., five a.m. We kind of attributed it to college student life, but I feel like that's probably just like a natural habitat situation. Okay, well, he's keeping American hours, I guess. So uh, it's probably a little later than American hours. <laughs> yeah, okay. I guess I think about like whenever I work on hex stuff, the other two contributors are in Central Europe. So it is like eight hours ahead of me. So usually by the time of day when I'm ready to start looking at it, it's like I look at my clock and see what time it is there and I'm like, okay, yeah, I won't won't be hearing back from them till tomorrow. Sometimes I do, but most times yeah. Yeah. Again, time zones. Time zones. Yeah. Do you know the history of time zones? I don't know the history of time zones. Okay, Sunday does. I want to know, though. Unless it's not this, but what I was told was it was like a normalization that came from trains going across country and needing to have the 
Like if your delivery was coming at this time to coordinate when things were coming on and off the tracks. And then there was like a time on the train too, right? Oh, train time. Yeah, that sounds familiar. But it makes sense, right? Like before mechanized travel, it really yeah. didn't make any sense to have a time zone because you were never talking to anybody that would have been in a different time zone. And it would have taken you so long that like your body would have adjusted naturally so it wouldn't have mattered. I'll see if I can find the video on this. And if I can, I'll link it in the show notes. But I worked at a travel startup that unfortunately no longer exists. And we did lunch and learns. And this one was like sort of a pre-recorded lunch and learn slash maybe just promo material. I'm not sure. But they did the whole history of time zones and like the train thing. And I remember watching it just sort of like not as onboarding, but kind of like in my first few weeks. So it was, it was a while ago. And I remember being fascinated and not really understanding that I was about to really launch myself into time zone programming math because I worked for a travel company. <laughs> this makes me want to say train travel is great. So if you have the opportunity to travel by train, everybody do it. Also, I would love to play Ticket to Ride right now. So now I've got that. I'm thinking about that. Great game. Overarching theme. Trains are great. All right. Uh, train life. While looking up railway time, I discovered that time was normally determined in each town by a local sundial, which is like so different. <laughs> Who knows how to read a sundial? Sundials always make me think of Hercules because there's a scene where they go to Thebes and the guy pops out with a jacket and he's like, hey, Mac, anybody want to buy a sundial? In exactly that accent. I think and about it all the time. Also, it's another way that people pronounce my name. Yeah, they just straight up look at my Alex is looking at me incredulously right now. They call yeah. you Sundial? Uh-huh. They just manifest AL at the end. That is the definition of giving up. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen Alex's face. I wish we could. I wish this was video right now. That's so atrocious. I will say that it's a rare thing in the Elixir community to have somebody say my name wrong. I do appreciate that this podcast has given me a space to say my name correctly. I will throw that out there. <laughs> ElixirConf was was very smooth sailing. No one said my name wrong. I'm never going to get over Sundial. That's wild to me. I'm sorry, <laughs> Sunday. That's so cruel. That's all right. I'll toss you back to give you, you know, your bearings again. You want to talk about Dune memes? Yeah, I want to talk about Dune memes. Because again, Todd on the Twitter, seen you on the Twitter, and you tweeted some stuff about Dune. I would love to know your overarching opinions of the movie. I've never read the book. And then also, what are your favorite Dune memes? Oh, man. We've okay, linked so, a few in our script that I'm sure we can post for everybody as well. Yeah. So here's my history of Dune. Dune was made into a TV movie that came out in 84 or 85, I believe. And I distinctly remember it being on one night, Friday night, maybe, I think it was probably a Friday night or Saturday night. And I was waiting for my friend's mom to pick me up so that we could go to the roller skating rink. And I remember thinking, man, when will she get here? This movie is so bad. And so I'll never think of Dune and not think about going to the roller drone. And that was the first and last time I ever watched anything from Dune until the South Park episode came out with Tom Brady where they talked about the spice melange, and I realized that was a Dune reference. So yeah, Dune to me is roller skating rink 
and Tom Brady episode of South Park. That's basically it for me. Sorry. I love that. That's a kind of a better opinion than I was hoping for, honestly. And it's just other references. Is that Are a hot you a, take? I think so. Are you a good roller skater, Todd? No, not like Mickey or anything. I know how to roller skate. I can ice skate. I can roller skate, but not like really well or anything like that. It's just something I know how to do, I guess. Yeah, Mickey I'm, was putting together like a roller skating elixir conf after party situation. That's awesome. That I was thinking, I was just really scared of hurting myself and then having to fly back with a like sprained ankle or something. And then also having to skate on team people who would be mad at me for roller skating. <laughs> roller skating's fun and all. Good for, I, I love Mickey, but I, I just go wherever Yair is going at conferences. I know that there's going to be something fun. So I just, and Mickey, if you're listening, we told him to say that because he's on the Elixir Wizards podcast. What if Yair rented out a roller rink? <laughs> if he rented out a roller rink and asked, invited me to come, I would go. Awesome. I don't even care where it would be. Even if he rented it out somewhere far away, I would get a plane ticket. I would go there. I've only ever learned how to roller blade. I would go to Washington, but then I would be in the wrong place. Stay no roller DC. rinks in, in D.C. No, but a lot of the ice rinks will remove the ice and turn it into an, a roller rink. That's... There's an outdoor public roller rink in Maryland on yes. the Anacostia Riverwalk Trail, That's is pretty cool. But also, yeah, like the rink that I skate at will like remove the ice and turn it into a roller rink, which is also in Maryland. I used to go to like Friday night skate in elementary school, which I guess it's not really weird because I never had hover parents. But thinking back then, it's like, yeah, I'm going to send my nine year old to go hang out with some middle and high schoolers at the roller rink. I don't know what they were doing, but we used to play red light, green light on our roller skates. It was awesome. It was just kids just flying everywhere. I did this all middle school, but sub roller skates for ice skates because even though I was practicing like five times a week, I couldn't get enough of the ice rink and I was still there with my friends on Fridays. Eh. So when I was a kid, like every 10th, 12th song was couple skate. So it would be like a ballad song and then it would just be for couples. Is this universal or is this just where I was I think they did that at the roller rink that I went to, but it was different because it would have been like 2000 and 2000 to 2003. So I, I don't know what the couple skate would have looked like, but I do remember them playing slow songs. Oh, we had nothing slow. Absolutely nothing. It was like, how do you couple skate? Do you just like link arms? See, that's the trick. This was a lot of stress when I was a kid because to couple skate, like, to really do it right, you one of you has to skate backwards, mm-hmm. and one of you That's skates true. forwards. And so it was like, as a guy, you have to learn how to skate backwards because if you ask somebody to couple skate and you don't know how to skate backwards, it's kind of embarrassing. It's like asking a woman to dance and then not being able to lead, and then she's leading, which is fine. Or, I mean, whatever. But traditionally, it's kind of eh. You're kind of it's not cool. So. It was like a big stressor. You have to learn how to skate backwards so that you can ask a girl to couple skate. And then she would always be like, can you skate backwards? And sort of like a qualifier whether she would say yes or no. That's so fun. 
I mean, probably stressful for you. I'm sorry, but that's just like a fun concept to me. Mostly because at my Friday, like figure skating, like hangout things with my friends, they always spent at least 30 minutes asking me to teach them how to skate backwards. Not for like pair skating purposes, just they wanted to know how to go backwards and how to stop. Usually everyone just ran into the wall. That's how they stopped. Or another person. Usually. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say the running into the wall. I like vivid. It's just like a cinder block (laughs) barrier. You're like, I'm going full speed. Can't stop. (laughs) Crap. Mm -hmm. Whack into it. I don't know how to stop on rollerblades. Or which is the only one. I don't know how to skate. I only know how to blade. I don't know how to stop. Which one is the four and which one is the full row of of wheels? Row is a blade. Okay. And the two and two is a skate. All the roller blades I had as a kid had, I think, one or both of the feet. You just tilted back and had a little rubber stopper that left a big skid mark. (laughs) They make now, I've actually been looking at them. I just don't have anywhere to use them. They now make figure skates with roller blade wheels. But the boot is actually a figure skate. Like you could remove the blades and put a figure skate blade on and get on the ice. And they're really cool looking. I think they're called off ice skates, but it looks to me like office skates, which, you know, whatever works. They look so like so cool. But I've always said that falling on the ice is way less painful than falling on gravel or like a tennis court or anything because you can't rip your knee open on ice. Not really. But yeah, so it looks way more dangerous on the ground, but it looks really cool for somebody who can't get to an ice rink because it it feels the same. You can spin, you can jump, you can do all the edges correctly. Yeah, it's wild. It's a whole thing. I went in hard on Instagram, Alex. I'll have to send it to you. It's they're all there. (laughs) The idea of office skates, which I love that like that's kind of that would be what my brain does, too. I just would I just picture a Healy. And if you could like <laughs> Healy around an office, you're like, I got to go to the kitchen. And then you zoom over. I may or may not have worked somewhere that was like that. Everyone skateboarded to meetings. And that was the thing. Okay. No one got injured somehow, you know? <laughs> Todd, I wanted to ask you, because you did have some amazing notes here in our little script. What was your favorite episode from this season? Just rapid shift. Okay. Well, my favorite was the first Brooklyn until I heard the second Brooklyn. We did have two Brooklyns this season. Yeah. So, well, they're both Canadian, I guess. Myers, Brooklyn Myers, and Brooklyn Zelenka. Yeah. So Brooklyn Zelenka is like one of my favorite humans. And I would watch her talk about just about anything. She's just so smart. And she has... I don't know, I feel like her perspective, she looks at things from such a different angle. Like if anybody's ever seen her talks, you look at how well designed her slides are and you're like, oh my God, these are like the most amazingly designed slides. And so she designs all of that stuff. So she has that kind of brain that can be really artistic. And then I feel like she looks at math, like these mathy sort of things through that same lens that most people just can't work both sides of their brains so well so i just really admire her for that but i also like brooklyn the other brooklyn from teaching elixir i think what he's doing is really really cool i really i like kind of like the candidness of how he's sort of learning in public how did you learn elixir todd like how did you find it i don't know how i originally found it that's a good question but when i started working at weed maps 
we had a couple people that were interested in moving things over to Elixir. So it just kind of happened to fall into my path at work there. But we also had a, a really good meetup where I was living at the time that taught Elixir, had some experienced people that were able to like really, the way they organized the meetup is like the first meetup was like bare bones. We assume you know nothing and it sort of taught beginners on up for like a, a whole year. So that worked out pretty well. But yeah, I don't remember how I first heard about it. That's a good question. Yeah, because my Sundays was just by accident. Yeah, you, you do what the job asks of you and every once in a while you get a gem like Elixir. <laughs> Indeed. We heard a lot of different people talking about what their hopes for Elixir were. I think a common thing that we heard, I think we, we heard it in Brooklyn Myers episode a lot was and Sigu also possibly, I'm trying to remember, they're all kind of blending together in my head. But the whole concept of we really hope at some point Elixir can be someone who's learning to be an engineer for them to have that as their first language. Did you agree, disagree, kind of vibe with that sentiment, Todd? I mean, I think that would be cool. I think, I mean, there definitely are people who Elixir is their first language for out there. I think that is nice. I think there's benefits of coming from other languages as well, though. I think it's important to have a good perspective on things to know how other languages do things in order to sort of appreciate the differences as well. So I don't, I'm not so concerned about how people get, get to where they're going much, you know, as much as anything as about just that they get there. So yeah, I think it's nice to have resources for that, but I would say realistically, there's probably a lot more TypeScript jobs than there are Elixir jobs. So if you're somebody who's like looking to get into the, programming space and you know professionally at least you know studying elixir might be fun but i'd probably study another language along with it just as a backup plan there's a lot more elixir jobs this year than there were last year and a lot more than the year before that but i feel like if you know typescript you probably there's probably a lot more opportunities there so if that's the case what would your biggest hope for the future of elixir be yeah, I mean, I would like to bring people in from different communities and new people in general that are just interested in programming. And I think like what Bruce Tate is doing with Groxio and what Brooklyn's doing, and then there's a bunch of content on YouTube and stuff. I think that's really great to bring new people in. I think one thing that's been really cool about the Elixir community is the diversity and just kind of how welcoming everybody is. And maybe it's because it's kind of a small community still, but... I feel like there's other small communities. I won't mention any specific like names, but they're sort of seen as maybe not as beginner friendly and the maintainers aren't necessarily as polite and their goals aren't as aren't made as obvious as Elixir is. And so I think that's if we keep that up, you know, then we'll keep getting more diverse people, people from other backgrounds, people that have maybe thought that they were gonna quit programming because the community they were in was so toxic that find a home in Elixir. And I think there's other languages that are really welcoming too. I think Rust is probably a good example of that as well, of a small kind of a niche community. What? The crab is so oh, cute. The crab. Okay. I'm trying to do a crab. Oh, I guess I am making a, you're talking too much sound or face with my hands, but uh, I'm trying to imitate a crab. That's how I interpret it, Cindy. It <laughs> Sorry. Microaggressions. <laughs> But yeah, I hope we can keep having like fun events 
And like our online meetups have been great because there have been people from like every country known to man so far, like that have joined us. And so that feels good about it. So hopefully more people will make it their second or third programming language and kind of make it the one that feels like home to them. I love that. All of it first off, but I do love that. And talking about like one of the special things about the language is the community and how welcoming it is. And Sunday trying to do the crab and you thought she was essentially telling you to be quiet. Like, <laughs> like, what, like a great, never. what a great, like ironic moment happening. <laughs> I feel like I do this a lot where I'm like trying to do one thing and people just totally <laughs> take it in another direction. And I'm just being silly. And they're like, why are you being rude? And I'm like, oh. I'm sorry. Sorry my life. <laughs> oh no, I'm a little red right now. Yeah, Same, but, but it's because I'm in the car. Yeah. So, yeah. You're definitely not red, Alex. You're Thank one you. of the most pale outdoor people I've ever Thank seen. You. Thank you. It's because it's not the summertime. I've been getting better about wearing sunscreen. Amazing. I've actually kind of been picturing Alex in red in the sense that, like, I've been calling her where in the world is Alex Housen in the same way. It's like, where in the world is Carmen Sandiego who wears a red coat and red hat? Yeah. We have a nice collection of Alex emojis. And if uh, Alex Carmen San Diego one appears, you know where it came from. It would be cool to own a, a, a giant floppy red hat red coat. But oh. I, I don't think I would get much use out of it. <laughs> <laughs> like a Halloween. Maybe. Yeah. Except for sometimes in D.C., not Washington, we have very hot Halloweens. You never know. I actually tried to be Carmen San Diego a few years ago, and it was too hot That's for the true. red coat. It's just too mm -hmm. hot. Mm -hmm. That is very true. Todd, there was another thing that we heard a few times this season that I think it was something like learning Elixir changed the way that people looked at programming in general and maybe in other languages as well. Do you similarly have a thought about that kind of vibe? I think that functional programming definitely has an effect on that. I was a Ruby programmer for, I think, seven years, maybe, full-time. And I haven't done it for four years now at all. And one of my projects at Jackpocket is sort of making, pulling out Elixir services from a Ruby monolith. So I'm finding myself in the Ruby code base. And man, I don't know how people live like that anymore. Like, I know it used to make a lot of sense to me, but now just be being used to the functional paradigm, it just seems so much simpler than this object-oriented paradigm where side effects everywhere and you don't know where this thing is being set, if it's some magical Rails thing or if it's a, some monkey patch thing that's in this app or what. No, but I think definitely learning a functional language, uh, whether it's Elixir or something else, it definitely changes the way you think about things. And then Elixir and Erlang specifically on the virtual machine definitely has a set of primitives that are built for certain tasks and no pun intended. And so I think that like the way you would solve a problem in the beam is definitely different than the way you would look at a problem in Ruby or some other language, I think, because of that. So, yeah, I think that's fair. It has an impact. And like what I'm thinking about is the when you like learn a new language, not a programming language, learning how to speak in that language's patterns can affect the way you speak in English sometimes where you like try and put 
verbs and nouns in different orders just to because your brain is starting to think in different ways? Yeah, I've definitely seen some examples of people programming what I call Elixir on Rails, which is like, I'm a Rails programmer and I'm going to start using Elixir. But then you see all these patterns that are like, you're reaching for things that exist in MRI that don't exist in Elixir and you're not reaching for the things that exist in the Beam because of that. And what I think is natural, like that's the natural progression of things, but um, hopefully you move beyond that at some point. Yeah, I think that like switching can be hard too, right? When you're, you start to get used to these other ways and then you try to go backwards and you're like, I don't remember. What do I do now? I know I personally deal with that often. There was something recently that I was trying to debug and I think I had to ask you, Eric, I was so frustrated. I couldn't figure it out. I was doing something in Flutter, not Elixir. And I was trying to console log something and I had print. Or maybe it was an elixir. I don't remember. But the printer pop-up kept opening on my laptop. And I was like, what am I doing wrong here? Yeah, you were doing Flutter for a while. And then you switched to some JavaScript and just started doing print. And you're like, this keeps opening up. I have no idea why. (laughs) I was like, what's going on? What have I done? (laughs) Wow. That could be very frustrating. But it's a good way to debug, you know, as long as you have a printer. (laughs) exactly as long as i have a connected printer which i do have now because of the pandemic so can we get everyone a teletype machine so it just prints out one line at a time like for your actual console yeah for your actual console log (laughs) dot matrix absolutely absolutely can do that tear off the side I know the overarching theme of the season was impact of Elixir. Todd, what's the, like, do you have a personal impact that Elixir has had on you? Besides, like, working and having a job and things like that. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I hate to come back to the community thing, but the community made a big difference to me. So I've been able to meet a lot of cool people like Yair and you, you people and like do things like organize this conference and everything. And I think that's, that's pretty cool and get involved in the open source side of the community as well with hex stuff and Elixir stuff. So I think, I mean, it's made my programming life a lot happier, made me feel like, yeah, part of a community instead of just somebody that does this. Yeah. It's an interesting, like there's a, and we talked about this, I think in our, even our season premiere about like, you can have a job and do the things that you do for your job. And then you can have a career and do things that work towards your greater career goals and how kind of at the side of that or tangentially, there is potentially a community involved with what you are doing. And it doesn't necessarily mean like just because you have a job, you're in a community or just because you have a job, you have a career path. We kind of talked about the dynamics of that. And I at least feel like our community involvement uh, recently, or or just in general, has given me at least a sense of purpose for all three of those things, which is nice, which I hope a lot of people in the Elixir community get for themselves as well. You know, community wise, I know that <laughs> I see this note here, Todd, you had for one of your biggest hopes for Elixir being more ad hoc toucan parties. I'm all for it. Hit me up anytime. <laughs> Instant toucan party. Yeah, that was a great like uh, example, I think, of, I don't know who started that with that was that Quinn or Dave? That it was like, Quinn and idea? Dave who wanted to just 
hang out. They just wanted to have a chat. And we all butted in and said, all right, how about you chat with everyone in the Elixir community everywhere? Yeah, and you turned it into a whole thing. And then, I don't know, how many people showed up? Like 50? 40 something, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that was on one day, pretty much one day's notice. 24 hours of planning. Yeah, so I think that was awesome. And it was really cool to see. Just, it's always cool to have an excuse to talk to those people because especially nowadays, we're all spread out. Even people that work together aren't necessarily in the same office or same city anymore. Same country. Or country. So yeah, it's nice to have a good excuse to get together and bounce around. And I've met a few cool people this year on Toucan that uh, who knows if I would have ever met otherwise. I know that for the Wizards Conference last summer, we met Florian Kraft. I'm mispronouncing his name and not pronouncing it in the German way, but would not have met him otherwise. Got to hang out with him on Toucan and then got to have him on the podcast. It was great. Yeah, and I'll shout out the Elixir Wizards Conference as well. I met a guy by the name of Bill, Bill Tian, who's in Switzerland. Uh, Posts the most amazing photos of like Swiss countryside all the time. And I usually think it's a painting. And then I realize Bill posted it. And I'm like, no, it's his front yard. Yeah, this is his actual life. It's yeah. like the sound of music every day. And it's like, oh, no, I was just walking my dog. And uh, yeah, I think like Bruce follows him. You follow him now. And I think we all probably first met him at the Elixir Wizards conference. And uh, yeah, I mean, just seeing those pictures brings joy to me whenever I get to see him. So that's been a, a real blessing. Hopefully he's listening. So shout out. Keep the pictures. Yeah. Going. Invite us all to Switzerland. Yes, please. Yeah, I think obviously for me, at least the impact of Elixir is 100% been the community. I have never been so happy in a tech job because I don't even, it like, it rules so seamlessly between my life and the career and like the community that I was talking about earlier. The balance is probably the best I've ever had. And I really appreciate it. I mean, I'm sure you can find that in other languages, but I found it to be really good for here, especially can I, I've proven it against two jobs now. So yeah. Your last job was at Kava, right? Mm-hmm. Mine and Alex. And Alex. We just finally got one in my town. Oh, yeah, the Colorado expansion's yet. happening now for Kava. Wow. So I'm excited for you. Yeah, I'm All right, excited I'm going to have to go over there sometime. What do you recommend? Hmm. I personally love the roasted vegetables. Harissa honey chicken for me. Okay. Or is it honey harissa chicken? I always mix those up. <laughs> It's the same. It's, I mean, you order it, they'll get it right, but I always yeah. order it in the wrong order. And the garlic dressing, if garlic they have dressing. it, is just like... We mm. used to eat it in, like, bowls <laughs> when they were doing, like, test kitchen stuff. We would just be sitting there eating it with chips, like dip. <laughs> so you had test, a test kitchen at the office? I mean, we had a chef's kitchen, and the chefs would come in and test food. So however you describe that. Okay. A test kitchen. You know who also really loved that test kitchen? Alex's dog, Bean. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. sneaky, sneaky little dog. She would be, I, she'd come to the, work with me on Fridays every once in a while. And I would look down and she wouldn't be there. I would be like, I bet she's in the kitchen. And she would just be circling the kitchen island, like waiting for somebody to drop something. Every once in a while, there would be days when they would be like testing out a new meatball recipe. And Bean was just like, yeah, Meatball. I'm going to get to eat meatballs. Yeah. 
I always appreciated that like she followed Alex around a lot, but she also followed her chefs around a lot too. <laughs> wow. Yeah, she knew the chefs. She knew the keeper of the food. Which I would like to say, not unique to Kava, but wasn't there like a trope um the Muppet show back in the day where the Swedish chef would always be- get chased around by the dog? Rolf or something? Yeah. Yeah, there was. Fringa. Fringa dringa. I love the Swedish chef. Uh, yeah, a continuing theme in my life is chatting with Eric on Monday mornings, and he's like, what did Bean get into over the weekend? And it's there's usually an answer. The most recent Wait. thing that she got into was a, she got into an entire, almost an entire bag of calming treats with hemp extract. She oh, had no. to have eaten like 20 of them because she finished the bag. And I had to call the vet. I was like, what do I do? And they said, yeah, she'll be fine. She weighs 70 pounds. She was just like calmer, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, that was the, your vet also said that if she doesn't calm down from this, then you know not to buy it again. So I guess uh, you don't need it. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I was just about to ask Eric, like, what's the best answer you've heard on a Monday morning? But I think that kind of probably takes the game. I don't know, man. Yeah, I think that. And then it's usually just like bags of potato chips that she's like knocked down or like pies or yeah pizza was there a pizza oh there was a pizza Mm -hmm. she ate five eighths of a detroit style pizza which was incredible because the box was on the kitchen counter and there the pizza was on parchment paper in the box the box was undisturbed she had managed to pull the pizza and the parchment paper out of the box and ate the pizza on the floor box again still on the counter did it silently A ninja, that one. She's horrible, but I do love her (laughs) very much. For anyone who was at ElixirConf and got to stop by the Smart Logic table, this would be the dog sticker that we were handing out along with our rooster and our cat sticker, but the dog is Bean, the invincible Bean who eats everything. Okay, my kids like that one. (laughs) She's a cutie. She also just recently celebrated her birthday. She turned four years old. Yay. Mm Mm-hmm. She's also a very big fan of the prairie dogs. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. Would love to chase them. Please get a video. And if if you can, put it in the show notes somehow. (laughs) She's just like, do you guys see that? Do you guys see that? Look at that thing. All the time. Eric, Alex, you both had talked about the impact Elixir has had on you earlier like at the beginning of the season has it changed at all since we've gone through this season or is it more or less the same it's an excellent question Sundy. i think more or less mine's the same i think something that i think it's kind of elixir and also just kind of smart logic is i feel like over the past like month i've had the opportunity to do a lot of like personal growth and development with learning about deployment and things like that Kind of both. And I feel like when I've run into problems, the resources that I have found and like online in the Elixir community have been very helpful. So I think similarly, the community is still just kind of the top for me. Yeah, uh, probably similar. I haven't done too terribly much Elixir since we started. Been getting more into the weeds of learning management and whatnot. So. Yeah, Lixir specific things has been put on hold, but I'm still 
in like small different elixir communities and whatnot and so yeah cool todd any other final thoughts on the impact that elixirs had on you or the community or anything along those lines i don't think i have anything else to add except to submit your talks right for your conference yes that's a future impact that's going to impact future todd if you don't submit your talks <laughs> future todd so submit your talks and buy your tickets. Get your tickets to Ampex. Ampex.co. Ampex.co to impact future Todd. I mean, it's going to impact me either way. True. But it's just a matter of positive or negative. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We don't talk too much about the fact that impact can be negative or positive. But on the positive note, I wanted to say that Todd, just like overall, we've heard the community that you're a wonderful presence everyone loves your talks your tweets your jokes you're a positive impact on the community and we thank you for being here not just on the podcast but in general (laughs) oh for being alive i'll let my parents know (laughs) all right thank you for relaying that for me but thank you it's my pleasure i enjoy meeting everyone and i hope that i add joy to people's lives you're adding joy to my life right now that's good We've really gone all over the place here, you guys, talking about trains. I had another thought about trains, but I can't remember it now. So I guess that's it. We've almost not talked about programming at all. (laughs) I hope everybody has enjoyed this final episode (laughs) where we don't talk about Elixir. This is Elixir Outlaws if you don't talk about programming. I will say we followed the outlaw outline to a T where we talked about nothing for the first 30 minutes. What did everyone's kids have for breakfast? Bean, who is my child, had dog food. And this one that I'm holding right now, cat named Marble, had cat food and maybe some bone marrow. Mine had milk and Velveeta, which is his current thing. Okay. And he likes to leave all four stacked on the table and then he dips his head down and eats it. Without like using a, his hands. Like a bird. Yeah. I like it. This tracks. This is a human baby that you're talking about? <laughs> Correct, yes. Okay. <laughs> Not he the rooster. He Not sits in his chair, <laughs> he drinks his milk, and then he eats his little crackers. Sometimes he'll pick up all four and eat them at once, or he'll like lean down and, and eat off the table like a little puppy. So, you know, what else is a less than two-year-old supposed to do? Makes sense. I mean, you guys have a lot of animals around the house, so he's probably mirroring what he sees. Before you know it, he's going to start uh, like nibbling on lettuce like the guinea pigs. Oh, no, he's not quite into, into vegetables that yet. yet. <laughs> oh, he'll eat vegetables, but not like leafy things. Probably shouldn't actually say this, but he has. <laughs> we have cat bowls out on a like fireplace mantle thing, and he's like stuck his head in them before. <laughs> They were empty, but he sure mimed eating cat food, so. Amazing. Gross. (laughs) But, like, I don't know. Kids are gross, so. But they're great. Kids are gross, yeah. Yeah. It has been an absolute joy speaking to you, Todd, and also to everyone on this season. It's just been so rewarding to talk to people about why Elixir has been important to them, how it's changed their life a little bit or impacted their work at all. So thank you, Todd, for being here. Yeah, thank you, Todd. It's my pleasure.
It is our pleasure to have you on. And that's it, everybody, for this final episode of Season 7 of Elixir Wizards. Thank you again, Todd Resedek, for joining us today. Elixir Wizards is a Smart Logic production. Today's hosts include myself, Alex Hausen, and my co-host, Sundi Mient and Eric Ostrich. Our producer is Bonnie Lander, and our executive producer is Rose Burt. Here at Smart Logic, we build custom web and mobile software, and we are always looking to take on new projects. We work in Elixir, Rails, and React, Kubernetes, and more. If you need a piece of custom software built, hit us up. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a review. Follow at SmartLogic on Twitter for news and episode announcements, and you can also join us on the Elixir Wizards Discord. Just head on over to the podcast page to find the link. And thank you for joining us this season on the impact of Elixir. Thank you for listening to Season 7 of Elixir Wizards. I want to thank all of our listeners for their support. We love making this podcast, and your feedback is very important to us. If you haven't done so yet, head to smr.tl forward slash survey. You can also find the link in our show notes. The portal will be open through Thursday, February 10th, so leave us your feedback today. Thanks for listening.